0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Devils in Detail podcast. I'm Sam Ficarro. I'm joined by Cody Whitehouse and Trevor Booth. As we're here to recap ASU's blowout win against Oregon State and then preview their upcoming game against Colorado, which has huge Pac-12 South implications. So
1: guys, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, ASU had a great win last weekend. It's going to be a tough test against Colorado, so I'm excited to see, you know, truly which ASU team we're going to see this weekend.
2: Yeah, these are really the only two teams that have maybe shown any separation or any signs of separation in the South, so this is going to be a big game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, like, if you look at just the Pac-12 schedule, this is probably the, the biggest game, which I don't think people would have thought that, you know, heading into this uh, season. Uh, so we'll talk about Oregon State, and, like, obviously this is a game ASU had to win. and They, they won emphatically 52-24, to 24. You know, Benjamin had a huge night, uh, broke the school record with 312 yards with four total touchdowns. Uh, Manny Wilkins threw for three scores despite being a little bit under the weather. So, guys, I guess we'll start with Benjamin. You know, um, against Washington, they really emphasize the run and they continue that emphasis against Oregon State, who has one of the worst defenses
1: in the nation. Really, you know, it's impressive, 312 yards, almost 400 as a team, 396 at the end there. So that's very impressive. They average 8.3 uh, yards per carry on 48 total rushes. So we saw really Herm Edwards focus on the run, but this was a porous, Oregon State defense that allowed over 200 yards rushing, you know, throughout the season. So I, as, as much as I want to say it's impressive, I don't think it's really that impressive because this is really what we should have expected. Maybe not really to the point where it was, but really Oregon State's not that good. So if ASU can continue to do that throughout the season and keep around that 200, 250 yards per game mark on the ground, then maybe this, you know, is a run game we can count on.
2: And Herm Edwards has said that they want to take the run-first approach so that can they can open plays and play action and maybe help Manny Wilkins get going in future games. This is the style they're going to have to adapt against Colorado to go with, Eno you know, Benjamin because he does have the hot hand and he has been rushing well, so well of late. And what was impressive for him were the yards after contact It seemed like he would break two or three tackles and then get loose. It wasn't like he had a hole. He would make those plays himself, and that's some of the elusiveness that we were maybe looking for him at the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, like, is it's interesting. Because, you know, um, a couple weeks ago we were, you know, killing Wilkins, you know, mm-hmm. just because he kept overthrowing these deep balls against, especially against SDSU, he was overthrowing them a lot or at michigan state too he overthrew them a lot um so like what do you, again it's hard to take a lot out of this game you know it was oregon state is just not good you know mm-hmm. under a first year i could a complete total rebuild so um
1: what other takeaways do you guys have from the game you know manny wilkins line it looks good 162 yards three scores no interceptions But really inconsistent passing, 14 of 25, he was under the weather. Said he was throwing up before and in the middle of the game. So you kind of have to take that into effect. But I really think, you know, he's just been inconsistent throughout the year. I don't really feel like he's comfortable with the offense right now. There's been a lot of miscommunications early on in the year, and we've just seen Wilkins not really be comfortable in the pocket like we've seen in the past.
2: Yeah, and Oregon State isn't the best opponent, but one of the other takeaways for me was the defense. They pitched a shutout for the remainder of the third quarter, I think about the halfway point, and then the rest of the fourth quarter, and they had that goal line stand in the fourth quarter, which really kind of sealed the game for ASU. In Oregon State, they may not be the best team, but they do have some explosive offensive players. We got to see some of that on Saturday. So that taking that as a positive something to look forward to as the defense gets more and more used to the three three five scheme they've implemented.
0: Yeah, the rush defense continued to struggle, though, for ASU. Right. Uh, Jamar Jefferson ran for 254 yards for Oregon State, and that's, he ran the ball 31 times despite the Beavers being down the whole game. You know, normally you expect teams to throw it a lot, but, you know, Blum was just getting hit. Every time he stepped back, ASU was hitting him. Mm-hmm. And so it was just a rough day for that O-line, at least in the, pass, um, in the passing offense. Um, I think ASU's all line we need to get them some love, though. They've been really good. You know, Cole Cabral was named to Pro Football Focus's, like, um, all-offensive team um, for O-line. Um, ASU's O-line's been really good. Wilkins really has not been sacked a whole lot. They've kept Wilkins very healthy, and he has had time to throw 4 deep D-passes, but um, just either the miscommunication on the receiver's part or, um, or, like, him just escaping, you know, just trying to make something out of it. So I think he's been really good. I think the O-line's been really good for ASU. I think the offense has been pretty good in general. Just the defense is starting to show some what holes in their defense, you know, um, just with the rush defense. Um, Colorado will obviously have a more balanced attack, I would think, against Oregon State. And then ASU will hope to have a more balanced attack themselves too.
1: So like you said, Sam, Colorado is going to be a big test. You said that earlier. So let's really move over to them. Their strength of schedule, what can you really say about that? Currently, they rank the 21st best team in the nation. What do you think about their strength of schedule? They play Colorado State, Nebraska, uh, UCLA, teams like that. What do you think about that strength of schedule? <laughs> what a schedule.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so Colorado is interesting because, you know, obviously Montez is very experienced. I think ASU faced Montez two years ago when they, um, went, last time they went to Volterms, Lufau was injured. Um, so ASU will have a little experience with Montez. I don't know how many players are still left from the team two years ago. But, yeah, it's really hard to, to gauge Colorado. Because, you know, everyone thought that Nebraska was really impressive. You know, winning in Lincoln, that's a tough place to win, you know. But then we've seen how bad Nebraska's looked. UCLA looks like the worst team at the conference. I like, you know, I would it's a bummer we're not getting UCLA-Oregon State this year. So, I'm like, it would have been fascinating to see who came out on top in that game. Um, so, yeah, so this was Colorado's first real test. Like, just looking at the numbers, I'm like, they're very balanced. Like, they both give up have um, similar yards allowed I'm um, like Colorado has a little bit better offense but that's probably because they're just their weak schedule and so it's gonna be interesting for Colorado especially now that they're ranked you know the pressure will be on them at home too um to beat ASU
2: right and when you're talking about their schedule their opponents are combined one in 16 so it, it's really a schedule that you look at it and it's like okay this team is undefeated yes they're ranked yes but how much can we take that and for ASU, too, they haven't won a road game yet. So there's a lot of questions that we have to look at, and hopefully some of those can get answered on Saturday.
1: Then moving on to Colorado again, what are some of the key players you guys think? Uh, Sam, you mentioned Montez, their quarterback, comes in just over 1,000 yards passing, nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. Who are some more key players you see on this team? Trevor, you as well. That are really going to make a big impact against ASU.
2: I think it really starts with LaVisca Chenault, and he has a frame kind of similar to Nikhil Harry's at six two, about 220 pounds. So he can really break through tackles, and he's an explosive player this year as well. He has three, um, three touchdown catches for over 40 yards. He had the 89-yard reception in Week 1 against Colorado State. So that's a guy they're really going to have to key in on, and that's going to start with the pressure that the defense has to get on Steven Montez so he can't find those deep throws and that he has to be forced to roll out and make plays very quickly.
0: Yeah, I'm fire for Colorado, we're used to the running game, so Trevon McMillan will be the player to watch there for the Buffs. Um, obviously, Philip Lindsay's with the Broncos now, having a decent season with Denver. So um, obviously, Colorado they've been more um, they're going to want more of a balanced attack, like I said earlier. Um, so it'll be important for the Buffs to establish the running, especially with ASU's not having a good run defense, at least in recent weeks. Um, so, but Cody, you wrote an article for our site this week about players to watch on the defensive side.
1: So who do you think on the defensive side do you think will really stand out? Um, there wasn't really much on the defensive side, honestly. You know, they had a, a couple sacks. They didn't really show much on their defense because they haven't really shown anything. But back to Trevor's point about LaVisca, he's 581 yards, leads the team, fifth in the nation, actually. The next closest on the team is just over 300 yards behind him. That's Katie Nixon, so 193. So I think for the defense of ASU, actually, it's going to be Kobe Williams, and Chase Lucas, they're going to have to have a big game because I think those are going to be the two big players. We saw Chase Lucas come up big in that Uh, fourth quarter goal line stand to make a big stop there. So I think really for ASU it's going to have to be Chase Lucas, Kobe Williams. Who else do you guys think on the ASU defensive side that's really going to be important in this one?
2: Danny Gonzalez really challenged Jalen Harvey and the safeties this week to come out and make tackles. And that's something that they haven't been used to in previous schemes, but in his scheme that's something they've really got to adapt to. So this week it's going to be on them. And he's kind of compared Jalen Harvey. Sometimes he looks like um, a a different defense player and sometimes he looks like a wide receiver playing defense. So that's going to be really big to see how he does, especially as these Pac-12 South games come up.
0: Yeah, the the corners. You know, it's easy to put the spotlight on the secondary, but the defensive line needs to try to maybe start second the quarterback more with Montez. It's going to be a difficult time with Montez since he's a mobile quarterback. So it's going to be more the linebackers. It's going to be essential for them to you know to not let Montez run for huge gains, especially on third down. It's going to be really crucial that ASU gets off the field on third downs and not like Colorado extend the drive. Because Colorado is going to be more of a, possess, a time of possession team, I feel, where ASU might be more like gunning in, you know, no huddle offense. So so back to the offense too, I'm like, you know, it's important in that they don't have many three and outs because, you know, this you don't want to exhaust this ASU defense. So I'm like, it's easy to point at ASU struggling defensively, but like a lot of the times the offense hasn't helped them out because they've just been on the field for so long. And especially with with the altitude playing a huge part as well, it's going to be essential
1: that the defense is not on the field too long. So with that, do you think ASU is going to keep up with the run game like Kerm Edwards said? Do you think we're going to see him throw the ball a little bit more, finding kill Harry and Kyle Williams down the field? So I think ASU will take more shots down field. I don't know why. I just feel like, you know, with Oregon State, I think it was easy, you know, because
0: they were so heavily favored in that game. With this being a tough game, I think, I think definitely ASU will try to um, sling it down the field more often with Wilkins. I think also they gotta try to go back going downfield with Nikhil Harry more. They love doing these screens like side to side, but I'm like eventually though you just gotta take shots downfield. Like Harry had a good good bounce back game last week, five for eighty four and a TD, and the TD was on a fade. So you know I, was, I would definitely really test the Colorado corners on Harry, and then Darby's been good. Kyle Williams has been good too for ASU. So it's worth just trying to get the other receivers involved.
2: And it's all gonna start with the run too. If they can get Eno you know, Benjamin going, that's gonna open up opportunities for those deep shots give them a chance to find Nikhil, Harry, find Clay, Kyle Williams, find Frank Darby. So if they can start out and so- solidify, you know, Benjamin and show that he can continue to do what he's done the past two weeks, that's going to open up those shots.
1: Then moving on more to the Pac-12 standings, you know, we see the North, they're really dominating right now. All those top teams, they have three teams ranked in the top 20 with Stanford, Washington, Oregon at the top of that conference. And Even Washington State, who we didn't really expect to do that well this season, is 4-1. and one. Then the fifth place team in the North is the Cal Bears at 3-1. and one. Then you go down to the south. It's Colorado at top. Then USC with a three and two record. Arizona State middle of the pack, three and two. Arizona who has not looked good at all, two and three. UCLA of course, zero and four. And at the bottom, zero and two in conference play and two and two on the season. Utah. So what would you say about the north versus south? Is it really that unbalanced as the records may say? Yes, it is <laughs>
0: unbalanced. Um, the north is just incredible. It's even Washington State, I thought has looked really good with Gardner Minshew. I'm like they'll get another win this week playing Oregon State. Um, but, yeah, it's really, you know, because we talk about, you know, when washed, when Stanford lost to Notre Dame, everyone's like, oh, the Pac-12 loses, you know, there goes their playoff hopes. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm like, I'm like they still have Washington on their schedule. Stanford. They already have a win against Oregon. But I'm like, when you think about it, though, like, you know, if you win the Pac-12 North and you go into the championship game, the South is so bad. You're not going to – it's not going to move the needle at all. Right. Like, it's going to more hurt you if you lose it than you will by gaining it. And so I do think it is important – I do think there's a huge discrepancy. Like for the south, I think whoever wins it is just going to be an achievement in itself just getting to Santa Clara for the title game. And that's why I think it makes this game really interesting. Because if Colorado wins, they're 2 and 0. I'm like, you know, and if ASU wins too, they're 2 and 1. You know, they have a bye week, Stanford comes to their place, they go to USC, and then Utah comes here too. So I'm like, the road if ASU can win against Colorado and then somehow pull off an upset against Stanford here at home, I mean, the schedule looks super favorable for them in November.
2: Right, and three of the next four are at home. So this is really the opportunity to win. And then if you can win out from here, the rest of these games, Danny Gonzalez said yesterday, are winnable. So, And then if you look at this stretch, if they can capitalize on this stretch, especially those home games, and win out against South opponents, that could put them in position to be in Santa Clara.
1: So almost halfway through the season, are you guys pleased with what you've seen from Arizona State? Is this what you expected? You know, and really in the Pac-12, is this what you expected from everyone? Who are some of the surprises made for you guys? Yeah, like it's hard because, you
0: know, Arizona State was 2-0. They beat Michigan State. So people were like, oh, let's hide in the expectations. But I think if you – I I thought they would go 4-2 and two at the halfway point. So if they beat Colorado, they would be right on course to what I had them. Again, though I anticipated USC to be a lot better. I thought UCLA would be better. So I'm like, you know, I thought they would maybe be a six-win team on paper heading into the year. But now with the South being so bad as it is, you know, they could beat Colorado. I'm like, They very well could beat USC, Arizona, UCLA, and Utah. That's four wins. Like – You know, they could easily have an eight or nine win season, which I think in Herm's first year after, you know, I think that'd be a remarkable achievement.
2: Right. Yeah, if you looked at it before the season, and if you looked at three and two right now, you'd say, okay, that's probably expected to happen. But as you said, a lot of these teams have fallen off. So if you look at where ASU is now, it's like, okay, they're still in position when you just compare it to other teams. In a sense, you can feel like, oh, they they should beat San Diego State. They should be four and one right now. But they are still in position, and a lot of these games are going to tell where they can end up soon.
0: Like, I definitely feel that there's, if ASU wins, there's so much opportunity for this team. Right. And I think they're really embracing that, too. If they could beat Colorado, and then they could, because I think they could go on a run. I know Stanford would be tough at home, but, you know, they would have a bye week to prepare. They would have to stop Bryce Love, which is a challenge in itself. Especially Love destroyed them last week yeah. last year on the ground. Um, but I think there's so much opportunity with this team. I think, you know,
1: the division's really up for grabs. I think it's anybody's. I really have to agree with you guys. I think, you know, the... Path, the path to the Paxwell South really is going to run through Boulder, and it's going to come this weekend. We're going to see, I think, if Arizona State wins. They're going to have a tough road ahead, but there, a lot of winnable games. You know, it's going to be hard against Stanford. KJ Costello's looked really good so far. He's improved a lot since last season. So I think Arizona State's going to have a good chance. It just really has to come with a win this weekend.
0: Yeah, and they've stayed, and they've stayed relatively healthy, too, ASU. Like, no major injuries like we had. You know, the last couple of years. So I think that's good for ASU. And with the bye week, they can maybe like, uh, I don't think Crump has played a whole lot so far. I'm um, like, with the bye week, they can maybe try to incorporate him more into the pass rush rotation. So I think that's something really to look forward to for ASU if they could get by this win. So with that,
1: do you guys feel, who do you feel wins this game? Uh, that's going to be a tough one. I may sound like a homer here, but I'm going to go Arizona State 27 uh, 24. I think it's going to be tight throughout the game, but Arizona State's going to come back from an early deficit in the first half and Brandon Reese is going to hit a late field goal to win it.
2: I'm going to say Colorado wins 31-23, to 23, and I think it comes down to we haven't seen enough from ASU's defense where they can stay off the field, and I think that's going to come back to hurt them, as you mentioned, Sam, in the high altitude, and their Colorado is going to end up pulling away in a close game.
0: This is a hard one. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because Colorado just hasn't played anybody, and it's right. really hard to gauge. Um, but ASU's defense, you know, I, I am nervous for that run defense. You know, they have not looked good. The pass defense has been okay. But, you know, like, last week, they, they, you know, it is concerning how Oregon State, you know, ran over them. You right. know, it is concerning. especially with that game being a blowout quickly. Um, so, I will I'll lean towards ASU 31-27. I do think it will be a high-scoring close game, though. Um, but, yeah, it will, it's going to come down to, really, ASU's defense. If they can stop the run, I think that will be the key
1: factor. Anything else you guys want to add? No, nope, I think that's about it. It's yeah. going to be a good one tomorrow. I, I hope it's not a disappointment for each team. I ex- I'm expecting a good one, a close game, but we're really going to learn a bo- lot about both teams this weekend.
2: We finally get a day game, too.
0: I know. Thank goodness, man. <laughs> I know. These night games, man, they kill me. Yeah. we well, pack 12 during the daytime. I'm de- We'll try that hashtag. <laughs> All right. So for myself, Sam, Cody, and Trevor, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week for the bi-week edition of our podcast, which will be boy, we'll look really big picture. So thanks again for listening. We'll see you again next time.